Right, uh, this morning I, I thought I'd read from the message. It seems a bit, a bit, little bit simpler, I think, I don't, for me anyway. Um, today's reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to chapter 4, verses 2. But don't let it faze you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why? You took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open with his rule. So proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. I was thinking about what the Bible tells us about God, and I think one of the most important things the Bible tells us about Him is that He's a God who communicates. He always has been God who wants to communicate with us. He doesn't keep Himself to Himself. He's a God who loves uh, to be in relationship with, with His world and His people. Uh, so, right at the beginning of the Bible, I love the fact that Genesis 1 presents this picture of God where God creates, and then the next word we read about God is, is the word that means he's brooding over the world he creates, like, like a bird brooding over its young. And then the very next thing we find is God speaks. I thought, isn't that just like a parent? A parent, a parent, he's a child, uh, there's a bird. Uh, and then the parents brood over their little one and care for them, look after them, and of course we have speaks. Because as we speak to our children, our children learn and develop and grow and understand, and then ultimately we hope if we've spoken well, they will flourish. And I think that's the picture the Bible begins with. God is in with us. He wants us to flourish, uh, his world and his people. And uh, one of the ways, you know, there's lots of passages about God speaking, but one of the things that this really important thing for the Bible is that when God's word comes, when God speaks, when God communicates, when he says something, things happen. Uh, I mean, there's passages like um, you know, Isaiah 55, do you remember, you know, God says his word will not return to him empty, it will accomplish what he sends it to do, and he gives a picture of how, you know, the rain waters the ground. And, and everything grows and flourishes and comes to fruition. Well, in the same way, when God's word spread and shared and heard, it will accomplish something. Things change, Isaiah was saying, when God speaks to us. So, so the Bible is so important um, because God does things through what He says to us in our lives. Now, one of the most, I think, one of the most fascinating pictures of that uh, it was in that reading Mary shared. Uh, Paul wanted to talk to a young minister, Timothy, about making sure, you know, no matter what he was doing, make sure you're always sharing the word of God with people. And he used this phrase, he said, all of scripture, all that's been written down from God is God-breathed. Now, Paul 
coined that term. You won't find that phrase, God breathed, anywhere else in ancient Greek. So, so Paul, Paul clearly really thought, I, I, I need a new word for what I'm trying to say to you, Timothy. And you combine two words, the word for God and the word for breath. Now the reason he did that is because throughout the Old Testament, there's this idea of God's word, God's spiritual breath, it's the same word in Hebrew, coming together. And when God's words and God's breath or spirit come together, incredible things happen. So, for example, in Genesis chapter 2, when uh, we read this account of, of creating human beings, it says in verse 7 of Genesis 2, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and it was just like, it's like, that's all it is, it's just dust, if nothing else happens. But then it says, and God breathed, God's breath, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So when God's, God's breath was combined with what God had said in Genesis, life comes. What was just dust and mud and earth becomes living, breathing, thinking, doing human beings. There's another really famous passage in the Old Testament that I think Paul, perhaps more than anything, had in mind. And that's in Ezekiel 37. And it's the story of the, Ezekiel's vision that God gives him of, of a valley full of dried up bones. So basically, I, Ezekiel sees this valley, and it's just basically the remains of some awful defeat or death in battle. And there's just human bones scattered everywhere, and they're completely dried out. There's, there's absolutely no hope of life in them. Um, but God says this to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, say to the bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Say the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. So word and breath. Um, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so it was. Uh, and, and you see the point in Ezekiel 37. He was talking to a, uh, the ancient Israelites who had kind of become like a, a valley of dead people. The life had been sapped out of them. But God said he was going to do something. He was going to speak. And he was going to breathe breath into them. And the, and the valley became full of the bones all, you hear a rattling, as he says, I hear a rattling. And the bones all join together and flesh appears. And all of a sudden the dry bones are living, are a living kind of army of people. So again, the idea of God and his breath coming together, particularly with his word, in Ezekiel 37, it's all about how God has the power to bring life out of even death. Okay, so I think when Paul uses that phrase, God breathed, what he wants Timothy to know about the scriptures is that when you share the scriptures, when you share them, read them, preach them, think about them, pray as you do so, God brings life. Even when you think it's like just dry bones and death, God's word and breath brings life. And that's why Paul uses a word, when he goes on in the passage we read to say this, the, the, the scriptures are able to do something. And the word able in Greek is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that. Okay, so that's the sort of power, Paul says, the scriptures have. When God accompanies his word with his spirit, things happen. And that's the first thing I wanted you to take home with you today. I'm going to say a bit more in a, in a moment.
Yeah, we'll take a seat. So I was supposed to have done something before we sang then, but we'll do it now instead. Um, I need a children's help with this one. How many children have we got this way? They're just out. No, they've got no. Okay, <laughs> Okay. Uh, Charlotte, Acacia? Yeah, you'll, you'll help. Now, I'm going to test the grown ups now. See if they can, the, the grown ups are going to see if they can remember what order the Bible book is. Without cheating. But if, if we really get stuck, we can have a look at the in the front of our Bible. Oh, Judy's got in there quick. Right, what I'm going to do is, if I, if I just, I'm going to give these out randomly. Sophia and Isaac not here? Give them, yeah. I, I, well, I'll tell you what, let's give some some other people as well. Some for you, some for that table. It, I, I'm just looking at this thinking this, this probably would take longer than I was anticipating. So, right, let's have some for each table. Some for you. We're going to do it a bit like bingo. Right, so so Judy's already given us the first one. So if you've got, who's got Genesis? You've got Genesis, right? If you could take that to my glamorous assistant, Sarah. And what comes after Genesis? Exodus. Who's got Exodus? Who's got Exodus? Anyone? Oh, we got that one. Well done, Charlotte. What's next? Exodus. Leviticus. Do you, want, do you want to go and get, the one, get them from the table as well and bring them up? So if you could help get them from the tables. Leviticus. Numbers. Numbers. Who's got numbers? Who's got numbers? Oh, we got numbers. Next. Deuteronomy, who's got that? If you if you've got it, say bingo. Right? <laughs> What's after Deuteronomy? This is where it gets. Joshua. <laughs> Joshua, there we are. And then Judy. Judges next. And this is this is where I'm having to remember. I'm gonna cheat now. What's after judges? No, it's not left. Right, let, let me just make sure. I'm going to cheat now. Yeah, Janice is right, it's rude. Okay, you take that one, Sarah. Yeah, no, I'm allowed to because I'm the. I'm the <laughs> no, 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 listen. No, no, no. Everybody knows that the quiz master has the answers. <laughs> right, okay, what's after Ruth? What? One Samuel and two Samuel. I put them together because in the Old Testament, the only reason that, that Samuel and Chronicles and Kings are divided in our Bible is they used to be, they're one book, but they, they couldn't fit it all on one scroll before they had found books. So they used to do it on two scrolls. So that's why I put them together. So who's got one and two Samuel? Uh, what's next? Kings and then Chronicles. Yeah, so one and two Kings and one and two, one and two Chronicles. Got them? Yeah, now, what's next? 
No, not quite. There's one before Nehemiah. Ezra, well done. Oh, they've got that there, look. If you could help, help get that. And then, then Nehemiah, who have said that? Adrian. Thank you. Then what, what's after Nehemiah? Esther, it is, correct. Esther. Yeah, then Job. Oh, what's after Job? That one's quite easy. It is. Psalms comes after Job. Yeah. Proverbs. Proverbs. He's got Proverbs. Well, the, the youngsters are supposed to be running around getting them, really, but. Ecclesiastes. And Song of. Yeah. I, have you got Song of Songs? Yeah. What's after Song of Songs? We now start the prophets, Isaiah. So we have the major prophets first. So Isaiah is the first one. Did you? Who said Jeremiah? Well done. Janice is good at this. Did she? Yeah. What's after Jeremiah? The one? No, no. After Jeremiah, somebody said it earlier. The little book. Jeremiah, that goes with Jeremiah. The lament Lamentations, yeah. And then what have you got? Ezekiel. Then Ezekiel. Ezekiel's after that. Daniel. These are the really difficult ones. These are the minor prophets coming now. Right, I know, I, I'm really quite, I've got them all. So, shall I just tell you the minor prophets? Hosea, yeah. Joel, Joel, yeah. Oh, are we still at, we need Daniel, Hosea, and Joel. Who's got Daniel and Hosea? Hosea? Um, and I'm, I'm going to just read the next ones out. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. Yeah, this is, this is taking too long. Zechariah and Malachi. It should be all the yellow ones. I did. I've said them. I've said them all now. So Hosea. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Obadiah, and then Jonah. And then Micah, Nahum. Then uh, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, yeah. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Right, now listen, this is, this is taking too long. So, we then have the New Testament, I'm just going to tell you them. 
Okay. Okay. Come on then. Right. What's the New Testament? What starts in the? What's the first book of the New Testament? Matthew. Well done. Mark, Luke, John, and then what? Remember Acts. Well done. Romans. One, one or two Corinthians. Yeah. Judy's just got, got a lovely memory age for uh, what comes after one and two trillions. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, which she says is God's electric, God's electric power company. There you go. Okay, very good. And then Thessalonians. Okay, okay, okay. okay. One and two Thessalonians. What's after Thessalonians? Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, we've done Colossians, and Galatians. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, no, we need that one as well. And then it's Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter. 1, 2, and 3, John, Jude, and Revelation. Well done. Well done. Well, look, let me, let me give you a Bible. There you go. Right. Now. Right, while Sarah's doing that, Did you know he wears a pirate? Give your sore throat a bit of pirate. Sorry? Because I speak funny? Yeah, I got a parrot and everything. What do pirates do? Isaac, what do pirates do? They go in a boat. I got a boat. It's a ship. Not a boat. Definitely not a boat. It's a ship. Uh, so, Sophia, where's so? What, what do pirates do? What do we look for? Treasure! Treasure! How do we find our treasure? Wait, what do we... With a map! Well done! We, we find our treasure with a map. By the way... I don't always have a hook. If I'm doing the baking, I have a whisk. So, pirates... Pirates find treasure. And if you want to find treasure, you need a map. And I think that's a really helpful picture of what the Bible is because, where's my piece of paper? Somewhere. Here it is. <laughs> now, I w the second thing I want to talk to you about the Bible is that the Bible always wants to point us to Jesus. 
Okay, And it's a bit like the treasure map and the treasure. So if you think of the Bible, the Bible's like the treasure map that leads us to Jesus, who's the treasure. Now, and I think it's really important to remember, the Bible itself is not the treasure. The Bible's not the point in itself. The, the Bible wants to show us and lead us to Jesus. So the map is not the treasure, Jesus is, but we need the map, we need the Bible, because otherwise, without a map, you can't find the treasure. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know about Jesus. So the Bible is really important to us as a church, because it leads us to Jesus. But it's Jesus that we worship, and the Bible always wants us to worship Jesus. Um, Jesus said uh, this, I'm going to read this, actually I think we should have this on the screen. This is from John's Gospel, chapter 5, and uh, verse 35 to 40. John, Jesus said this, he said, John the Baptist was a lamp that burns and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. But I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works of the fa that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. And then this next bit is really important. Jesus said to them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So Jesus was talking to the Pharisees there who spent a lot of time studying the scriptures. And they thought that just by doing that, they'd found eternal life. And Jesus said, but you're missing the whole point of the scriptures, which was to point to him, to Jesus. And yet, as he said, you refuse to come to me to have life. So as we read the Bible, remember that it's always leading us to someone. It's always pointing us to Jesus. And as wonderfully important as that Bible is, the point of it is that we'll worship Jesus Christ and know him. And I also believe the other thing, just think about, is that the Bible keeps speaking to us today. It's, it's a, a, a book that leads us to think even more and more about Jesus and how we might find him today.